I'm Marianne Kolbesak McGee, Executive Editor at Information Security Media Group. Today I'm speaking with Paul Prudholm, who is former DOD threat analyst and cyber researcher with cybersecurity threat intelligence firm Insights, a Rapid7 company, about a new study examining cyber threats facing the healthcare and pharmaceutical industries. So, Paul, please briefly describe what you examined and what were some of the most surprising and worrisome findings that your team discovered? The threat landscape of the healthcare industry is quite distinctive. There are many risk factors that are either not as significant or simply not present elsewhere in the industry. There are things like uh, medical devices, which often leave healthcare networks more vulnerable to intrusions. There's also uh, obviously the more recent development with the COVID-19 pandemic that has changed the game across all industries, uh, but has been really uh, uniquely relevant to the healthcare industry in particular. Uh, We see things like uh, nation state actors trying to steal vaccine research and also criminals trying to get access to COVID-19 patient data for fraud and other malicious purposes. So when you dig into some of the things that you saw, what did your team find in terms of the dark web and attacks involving COVID-19 test results and vaccine cards, for instance? So this has really changed the attack surface. In other words, for example, one of the main reasons criminals are interested in healthcare data is because of the amount of detail it contains. And there are certain key details things like uh, dates of birth and social security numbers that are sort of the uh, active ingredients for identity theft, if you will. Now, you can get those data points from any number of places, but healthcare organizations are usually the richest source of that data. But with the proliferation of either uh, vaccination records, COVID-19 tests, vaccine passports, and so on, that just expands the attack surface uh, for attackers to work with. And also because a lot of this is being used, uh, let's say, in a less private setting or in a more sort of public focused way, that new and expanded part of the attack surface that has the information they're looking for is a bit more vulnerable to attack. So Paul, what are you seeing in terms of nation state sponsored cyber espionage, including involving Russia, China, Iran, North Korea? Uh, What are they targeting in terms of COVID-19 vaccine and drug treatment research and clinical trial data, for instance? And is that still a major threat months, if not almost two years now into the pandemic? Oh, yes. Pharmaceutical companies have been a a significant target for the theft of intellectual property by both nation-state actors and also criminals, but probably more so the former. This predates the pandemic, and I I imagine that this will continue to be an issue whenever the pandemic is over. However, the search for COVID-19 vaccines and other treatments uh, has made this a much higher priority than it would be otherwise. So we see actors from countries like Russia, China, Iran, and North Korea making a fairly substantial effort to acquire the intellectual property, either behind the vaccines or sometimes the, uh, the drug treatments. This is a major strategic resource for foreign governments. Uh, you heard uh, President Biden talk recently about that the U.S. will be the, the arsenal of, of vaccines in the same way that the U.S. was the arsenal of democracy in the Second World War. Similarly, uh, other countries like Russia and China want to use the vaccines and other treatments as a bargaining chip uh, and as a way to gain leverage with other countries. We, we, we've seen them doing that, with, uh, particularly with the third world countries uh, that might have might not have access to, to vaccines by other methods. So this is a, probably the most valuable piece of intellectual property in the world right now, uh, and the pharmaceutical companies have it. So they should expect to be a target.
And what sorts of attacks are you seeing from these countries to get this data? That could go through any number of uh, methods. It could be something as simple as a phishing attack uh, or, or a brute force attack, where they just try different password combinations uh, or sending a malicious email with a malicious link or an attachment. Those are some simpler tactics, but it certainly could be more uh, sophisticated, something like exploiting a zero-day zero vulnerability that is not patched yet, and, and they would use that uh, to get in. So so, so we, we see pretty much the full gamut of tactics being used. And as you know, we hear a lot about ransomware attacks on the healthcare sector. What did you see in terms of trends involving ransomware? Uh, one of the most significant trends in ransomware is the uh, use of data disclosure as an additional layer of extortion. Uh, so not only do they encrypt your files and hold them for ransom, uh, they also threaten to disclose the data uh, on the dark web if you don't pay. The reason for this is, is that many uh, organizations have correctly figured out that having a good backup system is a good defense against the you know, encryption as a way of holding files hostage. But if you threaten to disclose the files, uh, having the backups doesn't prevent that from happening. Now, obviously, disclosing uh, your, your compromised you know, company information is bad for any organization, but the impact is, is arguably more severe for healthcare because of the, the, the sensitivity uh, and often the, the greater amount of detail that you see in there, uh, as well as the uh, legal and compliance issues that can stem from, uh, from the exposure of uh, patient data like that. And how are you seeing ransomware attacks evolve? What are some of the other trends that you might be seeing that perhaps the industries are not really that aware of? One trend we, we have seen more and more over the past year and a half as a result of the pandemic is that threat actors, uh, particularly ransomware operators, are buying their access to compromised networks rather than going and compromising it themselves. This phenomenon predates the pandemic, but has really taken on a, a new lease on life and, and matured in, in, into a real niche market uh, in its own right as a result of people working from home, which has given threat actors more opportunities to compromise corporate infrastructure as people log on from home. You can buy access, for example, uh, to a compromised uh, a hospital network for, let's say, $3,000 or so, and then put your ransomware on it rather than having to go through the time and the effort uh, of compromising it yourself. So there is that, that sort of element of outsourcing to it, which has made things easier for ransomware operators who, who have the ransomware payloads, but might not necessarily have the intrusion skills to get access to targets by themselves, but they do have the money to buy it. In the healthcare sector, we hear a lot about you know smaller clinics, but also large healthcare systems, large hospital systems being hit with ransomware. We hear a little bit less from pharmaceutical companies. Is it that the pharmaceutical companies are either being a little more aggressive in terms of trying to prevent these things, or is it you know, you're just not hearing about it? Are there different sorts of factors involved here with the sorts of attacks you see on pharmaceutical companies versus healthcare provider organizations? I think the hospitals and the other healthcare provider organizations are more vulnerable to the to, to the extortion aspect of ransomware simply because the, the because of the time sensitivity, uh, the nature of the work that they do. If they can't treat patients or the uh, ransomware attack introduces delays into treatment, uh, that, that could easily end up costing people's lives. So I think that they are a more desirable target simply because of that perception that they're more vulnerable to coercion, whereas a pharmaceutical company, uh, certainly, you know, disrupting their business is bad, but it is probably not going to get people killed, at least not quite as uh, directly. Uh, with that said, this trend toward uh, including data disclosure uh, as another layer of extortion, I think that does have some implications for pharmaceutical companies. Uh, as you saw, there were, there were several examples uh, in the intellectual property section of the report where I mentioned that there was actual 
pharmaceutical intellectual property included in some of these ransomware data disclosures. So pharmaceutical companies can invest a considerable amount of money in developing that intellectual property. Uh, and if that intellectual property gets leaked out on the dark web for the whole criminal world to see, that's a problem. And with all of this said, what are some of your key security advice or steps that you suggest that these entities that have been hit in the healthcare and the pharmaceutical sectors take to better combat these cyber threats and to be better prepared? User education is a big part of it. So probably the majority of attacks start with somebody clicking on something or opening that they opening something that they should not have, uh, typically through their email, whether that's a malicious link or a malicious attachment. So sensitizing employees to the risks of, of clicking on something without doing uh, some, some, some basic due diligence on it to make sure that it is in fact legitimate. Uh, that, that would go a long way towards stopping a lot of attacks. Two-factor authentication is another good defense measure. So in other words, instead of just entering your password to get access to your account, you would enter a code that you get conceivably through a text message, uh, but preferably through uh, a mobile uh, authenticator app. That makes it quite a bit harder for an attacker to compromise your account, which is often an initial foothold that an attacker will use and they will expand the breach outward from there. Medical devices are another sore point healthcare in particular, they tend to leave the attack surface of the healthcare industry more vulnerable than you would see in other industries, partially because of the way they're designed, uh, also because of some regulatory issues that might make people hesitant to uh, develop or deploy security updates for them. And sometimes the way that these devices are deployed uh, on networks sometimes leaves them with little or no security support. And finally, Paul, based on your background at the DOD, any lessons that the healthcare sector should learn from other industries or you know, even the government for that matter in terms of you know, stepping up their security? Much of the focus in security coverage of the healthcare industry has focused on healthcare specific things like patient records, uh, medical devices, pharmaceutical, intellectual property, and so on. Uh, that focus is certainly well-founded, but it's also easy to forget that healthcare organizations do have some some other things that overlap with other industries. For example, uh, most healthcare providers will take credit cards. So when you look at research on, on, on the theft of uh, credit cards, most of that is, is, is from retail and hospitality, uh, looking at breaches like Home Depot, Target, uh, looking at restaurants and hotels, things like that. But the credit cards that you can steal from, from, from the payment, you know, credit card payment terminal at a hospital are just as good as the credit cards that you could steal from, from, from Target and Home Depot. By the same token, a company that makes uh, medical devices might actually have more in common uh, with manufacturers uh, than, than they would other healthcare organizations. They might almost be look at themselves more as a manufacturer. Uh, and the fact that the things that they manufacture are of a medical nature uh, is maybe not so relevant to them. So they, they might actually learn more from from coverage of ener energy companies or car makers uh, or other sort of heavy uh, industrial organizations. So I would encourage healthcare security professionals to, to look a bit outside the common tendency to focus on things that are healthcare specific and, and, and look a bit at the, uh, the bigger picture across different industries. Thank you, Paul. I've been speaking to Paul Prudhomme. I'm Marianne Kolbesek-McGee of Information Security Media Group. Thanks for joining us.